This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's show, I want to make a quick reminder about Blue Wire Hustle. If you enjoy listening to me here on the OBR Film Breakdown, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to do that than to be hosted by Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your own podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, We'll help you get your show pushed out on platforms such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms where you find this podcast. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're about ready to do more than just listening to me on this podcast, talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Blue Wire Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Now to today's episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in. Happy Memorial Day to all you OBR Film Breakdown listeners. This is Jake Burns, your host. I hope your long weekend here is going great. I hope if this weekend has special meaning to you, it is going perfectly as well. For those you care about, those who deserve our respect, who served, some who sacrificed, my father served. I always try to give him some special attention on this day because we appreciate it. And especially those of us at the OBR appreciate the sacrifice so many have made. Uh, I think you got over the weekend, I tried to give you, kind of transitioning to football now, I tried to give you a little weekend bonus content with an interview with Brad Ward I did on Kevin Stefanski's Evolution in 2021. I hope you enjoyed it. If you already listened to it, I am sorry. Had a great guest lineup for Friday who had to cancel. His daughter was out of daycare a little late. I promise to get that guest onto the podcast for a weekend bonus edition at some point. He is one of the best covering offensive line play. So I want to talk with him about that stuff. We have a myriad of topics. Actually, two. Shouldn't say a myriad. We only have two. I'm going to welcome in King Cargo Shorts, Mr. Brown's Daily Mock, <laughs> himself, uh, for our usual Monday visit. How are you? Does that make you Queen Crocs? Queen Crocs and King Cargo Shorts. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Actually, kind of goes well. I'm um, telling you what, man. The ladies are going to go crazy. 
If you pull off the cargo short croc combination, that is like unlocking the ultimate level in a in an old Mario video game. It's like the back door of the uh, the cheat code, right? Where you could you could unlock a secret level if you if you can pull those off. Probably a tank top would be necessary Ooh. at that juncture, right? Well, something with a cartoon on it. I mm-hmm. I just know that you know. It, it, thank God I found the woman you know uh, of my of my dreams. Because if I ever had to go back out and be single again, and with my with my fashion sense, and I still have the same uh, uh, moves with women that I had in like the fourth grade. Like I, if I see a woman <laughs> in a bar that I think is cute, I'll like push her down in the mud or something like that. That's that's it. That's the only moves I have. So if she ever kicks me out for whatever reason, I'm uh, I'm pretty much solo for life at that point. I don't kick anyone in the mud, thankfully, but I don't have any game either, so I'm I'm quite uh, I'm quite <laughs> thankful. The only I, what's the old football adage? Everybody who covers I outpunted my coverage, right? That's the thing mm-hmm. everyone says. That's the cliche. So, yeah, it holds true. It holds true. So I'm thankful. <laughs> I, I I got that going for me. But uh, I want to talk about a couple things, and the first is I I saw today. An article from Cover One, uh, who I actually wrote for for Eric Turner at Cover One, who does a great, like, great independent job. The bills mm-hmm. are really rough on him for like not being in a credentialed uh, website, but God, they do such fantastic stuff at Cover One. So if you are looking for like, and they do more teams than just the bills, but they're specifically a bill site uh, as a founding part of that whole thing. But Eric does fantastic work. But he had a guy who he had picked up recently who was writing for him. Liam Kearney is his name at L Kearney. 13 on Twitter, who's talking about what Josh Allen had recently to say about continuity, uh, which I found obviously interesting because I have been, you know, preaching about Baker Mayfield's continuity or lack thereof throughout much of this, this past year, because it's like this fun thing where there's two extremes. You're either like, I don't know, there's few people like us, Steve, who are level-headed about this. You're either defend Baker, like you're in some sort of uh, medieval game where he's the king and you have to support him no matter what decision he makes. Or you're on the opposite of the spectrum, which is no matter what Baker does, you find fault in it and think that he's uh, he's he's trash or whatever or whatever quotes. If you look at the Twitter cesspool comments, you'll find uh, they just don't like him. So this, con- this comment from, from Alan I thought was interesting. Josh said, it creates... He's talking about continuity within the team. It creates a very good space. Just being able to talk with guys in a very comfortable fashion, being in the same system now going on the fourth year with Dable, Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator, and Coach Dorsey, his quarterback coach, and understanding our offense in and out and being able to rely, uh, sorry, relay it, uh, that offense to my teammates, Alan told reporters Tuesday. It's a blessing to be in this situation. Not many people have that luxury of being in the same system and understanding and knowing guys on a personal level. That stability, uh, Liam said here, on offense paid off last season as evidenced by the supreme jump Allen and the offense took in 2020, which got me to thinking, which is something I don't think is new, Steve, that Baker Mayfield has has maybe found, the, 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 he has maybe found it. And this was what I said, and you can, you can tell me what you think and, and kind of piggyback off of it. The goal should be the path of least resistance for your quarterback. Mm-hmm. You draft a guy... And what can we do? What can we do to give him the path of least resistance to his ultimate level of uh, ability or what you think he can become? And what I mean by that is if you can try to eliminate 
poor offensive line play around him, a lack of weapons around him, lack of continuity from coaches or scheme or structure. Those are the things that you want to get right so that he doesn't have those things holding him back from reaching his potential. Baker has had some of those things. There is no doubt that he has had talent around him at various points in the first uh, the first three years. You could even say his, his last most recent two years has been surrounded by great talent. But he did not have one of the important factors, which was an offense built around what he does well and the people coaching him, quarterback coach, OC, head coach, who had a unified vision and uh, obviously have staying power uh, for, from not just offensive calling plays, but like the whole thing, the whole picture. And that's important. And I, I think that's something Baker doesn't has not had. And I think it's something that people tend to overlook is like how tough that rookie situation for him was where he was dealing with the lame duck head coach, a forced hire offensive coordinator, then the wrong hire in, in season two. And it's like that stuff is it just matters way more than people think it does. So I just had to post about it today. Go ahead, man. Tell me what you think. Yeah, um, well, I mean, we've said that for a year, long before Baker, years and years and years. But why do people the- ignore it? Like, why is it truly something that no one talks about other than people who want to show him or show a level of this is the why behind it? Like, it just is never discussed. Well, I, there's that old uh, picture, and it predates the internet, but it's become a meme where you know, the tip of the iceberg is sticking out from under the water and the caption is something like what people see. And then you know, 99% of the iceberg is under the water and the caption is, you know, but nobody notices the work to get there or, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. It's the same thing. People only see what they see on Sundays. And, you know, not everybody is into it and does it, you know, uh, as a, a either a job or a side hustle like us. I'm not faulting people. People have lives. They have lives and jobs and kids and they can't dig into it the way most people they just nfl football for them is three hours on sunday afternoon or six hours you know if they can watch uh, their team and then a late game or the opposite something like that it's not an all-day everyday thing like that so most people just they don't see what goes into the, the other you know 364 days a year outside of game day um and for a lot of people like i said it's not their fault but situation matter we've said it for so long and we said it specifically about this quarterback class i i don't even remember how many times during the 2018 uh class i mean you think about football in general we always talk about you know 11 guys have to move in unison you have to trust the guy next to you you have to know what they're going to do without thinking about it that way you can do what you have to do but somehow when it comes to quarterback play people throw that all out the window and think he should just be superman um, they see highlights, you know, you see Patrick Mahomes highlight reels and yes, they're incredible. We all love watching them, but every play is not a highlight reel. That's why it's called a highlight reel. He also does the little things. Well, he knows where this guy is going to be. He knows where that guy's going to be. And with Baker, like you said, we, we talked about this during the draft, uh, cycle, Josh Allen would not have been the right pick for the Cleveland Browns at that time with the other options that were available. Now, some of those options haven't worked out, but as a prospect, we thought they had four, maybe five options that they could do. He was far too much of a project, far too much of a risk, especially with, as you said, the situation he would have been coming into with Hugh and Haley and Freddie and Greg and everything that everybody remembers. Josh Allen today would not be the Josh Allen that he is in Buffalo had he come to Cleveland. He might well be out of the league had he come into that situation because he needed a special set of circumstances. Not that they had to kid glove him or anything, but 
it needed to be put in a way that his strengths were accentuated, much the same way Lamar Jackson has received in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson went to the wrong team. He wouldn't be who he is today because you had to change your system to fit what he does. In, in a very you know, general sense, it's the Patriot way. It's the, the how does so and how does Belichick get great years out of so and so when they suck everywhere else? Well, he brings them in, and and the situation he puts them in are things that they can do to their advantage. That's what you have to do with a quarterback. And this year we're going to find out, and I know you and I are both bullish on it, if Baker is really that guy because he's finally going to get back to back years in an offense where they not only does he and everybody else understand where they're supposed to be, why and how, but it, we think it's tailored to what he does well, like you said. And I have every confidence in the world that he's going to blow the roof off the place this year. I understand the people that are still a little bit, you know, uh, uh, show me kind of skeptical. The haters I don't get, but show me one more time and then I'll then I'll go full full. I get that. I get that. I get that kind of hesitancy. But it matters so much. I mean, it, even if you just want to take out the Hugh year. And look at the Freddie year. What everything did, did we learn afterwards? They, they were calling plays they didn't practice all week. They were, they were. I mean, I'm not even going to get into it. Everything that we learned, nobody could have thrived in that situation. The fact that they still won six games and could have won three or four more, I thought, spoke volumes to the level of talent that was in the room. Uh, and that proved to be the case this past year with the unified vision all going, all that talent all going the same way. Uh, turned into you know 12 wins, playoff win, Maserati, all the fun that we had and the excitement that we're looking at uh, this offseason. Can't wait until camp starts and then the season kicks off in September. It's, it's because they finally got the situation around him right. And we yeah. should also say year three, when you, when you talk to Hall of Fame and star level quarterbacks later on in their careers, they always say the first year I had no idea. Second year it started to slow down. The third year in the league is when I really start. It slowed down to the point where I could control things. So it would be unfair to not say that just his natural development also played into the great year that he had last year and could have this year too. But I think more than anything, and boy, were we thrilled about this and we proved to be right last year, getting an offensive scheme, not only just an offensive scheme, from the top down, from the general manner drawn down, everybody on the same page, the boat, all the all the oars going in the same direction, the boat goes faster and it goes where you want it to go. It just, it's unavoidable in, yeah. in, the, in any sport, but especially in the NFL, it's unavoidable. If that happens and you still lose, then it's a talent thing. But if that happens and you win like you did last year, it proves you've got all the talent you need. You just need to fine tune it and get it going in the right direction. Well, that's like I, I Sobo was the one of the first ones to respond to it in the conversation about, you know, about Josh and Lamar comes up and and there's there's just I'm not I'm not saying the situation is what helped those guys succeed 100 percent like they're talented. No. It's not the whole piece of the picture. And I know you're not saying that, not. but it's like it's like, but it's it's bigger than people want to admit. There's no doubt about it. Like Greg Roman being in Baltimore at the perfect time, not even as the OC, but at the perfect time to run an offense for him matters and. You know, Josh Allen, kudos to Brian Dable because he's reinvented himself in so many different ways. But the right guy, again, at the right time, mm -hmm. and again, it's not everything for those guys, but it is a very big part of it. So, you know, you well, can, I mean, people will say too, like, like, well, the, the outcome is what keeps the guy. Well, that's not true because Baker had a fantastic first season, rookie season, 
two people in the process of that pretty strong rookie season get fired. Then they try to keep the guy, you know, who, who helped him launch in the last seven, eight weeks of that rookie season. And it didn't work out. So it's like, it's not just guaranteed to work out. You need a coach who's doing the same level of work and the same level of growth that the quarterback is, you know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. kudos to the Browns for finally getting that right. Like that's a big thing. For and the they Browns have to trust each other too. Yeah. I mean, let's just put it, put it very simply. Let's put this very simply and take it to the most extreme level we can in the last five years. Everybody, they should have traded up for Patrick Mahomes. They should have traded up. Look, Patrick Mahomes was our quarterback one that year. It was obvious. Everybody loved him. Patrick Mahomes comes to Cleveland under Hugh Haley. That whole is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. It, does he have a half a billion dollar contract if he comes into the league in that situation? I cannot imagine that the answer is yes. Uh, you know, now does he, you know, flail about and is he out of the league? I'm not saying that, but he's not going to be the Patrick Mahomes that we all know and enjoy watching when he's not playing against the Browns. It would have just been harder to get there. Like that's what exactly. I'm talking about. The pa- the Browns didn't situation. give anybody the least resistance path. They didn't. So they finally did, though. And this brings me to my other point, is they finally did that. And, like, somehow Baker is dragged for that. Like, oh, look at all the Baker's got the easiest job. Shouldn't you want that for your quarterback? You know, I tweeted this out. Like, no, we want our quarterback to come in and overcome a whole bunch of shitty odds and show us everything about who he is as a player before he's 26. What the hell kind of logic is that, Steve? Why not yep. make it as easy as possible for him so that the game slows down, similar to Tom Brady's for early situation in New England or Ben Roethlisberger's early situation in Pittsburgh? Let them mm-hmm. slowly grow into the position, and then by the time they're 27, 28, 29, hitting the prime of their football career, they have gathered five years or so of quarterback play and have a feel with the continuity from the play-calling perspective and the team around him to finally take the reins. Why does it have to be every quarterback has to come in and by year two Pat Mahomes this thing? Is it like a rookie con- It's the rookie contract thing I get, but like if you're basing the success of your quarterback by saying he has to prove to me every single thing he could ever become in his first four years in the NFL, then you're fucking doing it wrong. Like that to me is you're doing it wrong. That is a flawed approach. And if you're so worried about the second contract because you might actually hit on a guy, it's like that is just such a wrong way to think about this thing. You should be thinking about how do I get the most out of this player throughout his NFL career? That is what I would try to do. Maximize everything around him, the le- the least resistance path, everything around him to get him so that he can do that. And if he shows enough glimpses in his first four or five years, I'd have no problem giving that guy a second contract. Doesn't have to be record-setting quarterback money. Give him a second contract and let him see if he can do it. That's the thing. Like these teams just want to put everything they want everything to be in the quarterback's lap so that by year five, when they have to pay him pretty good money, it's like okay, you got to be the guy and you got to overcome all these obstacles that your contract creates. Can't there be a middle market where Baker Mayfield maybe doesn't get top 10 quarterback, top top 8 quarterback money, but he's quite happy and he's coming along and then the third contract, he does because he has figured it out. I just think we we have this narrow-minded approach of quarterbacks where we have to figure out every single thing about them and they're 
in their freaking rookie contract. And what it does is it limits the scope of who they can become because they're so a a team isn't equipped to give them everything they need to get where they need to go, or b they're so worried about rushing the decision to figure out who the hell this guy is or can become that they make these mistakes around him. I just hate quarterback development. That's kind of the moral of the story for me. Well, I think on a very general, very basic sense, it comes down to the argument that you and I had with countless people uh, over the years, uh, and we all remember which coach was the driving force behind this, is do you draft a guy and force him into your system, or do you alter your system to you know, fit what your personnel does best? I, I, you know, I, It's really that simple. If you have... You know, like, let's say, uh, you know, Baker tweaks his ankle and misses three games this year. Are you going to send Case Keenum out there throwing the ball 57 times a game? Or for those three games, are you going to go out there and go, okay, our personnel is we should run some easy easy tosses and then lean on Nick and Kareem for these next week. We should run them into the ground for these next three weeks. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You, if you're a smart team, you're going to lean on your running game for those three games. And now that's a very narrow example, but in a general sense, it's the same thing. If you've got a quarterback who... I, you know, I don't know. He he struggles rolling out to his left, let's just say, as an example. Whoever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Why would you say to yourself as a coaching staff, well, he's got to learn that, so we're going to run seven rollouts a game and just take our chances if even if he's thrown an intercept. Why would you do that? Why why would you do that? Why would you say, you say, okay, this guy has real trouble rolling out to his left as a rookie. Let's keep him on the right side for the most part. We'll sprinkle it in there to keep the defense honest, but mostly we're going to have to work on that and practice in the offseason, and maybe next year we can pull that's a very, again, a very narrow example, but that's the example of, of getting your system and the situation right for your quarterback. And it's put your players in a position to do what they do well as frequently as possible. That's it's obviously a lot more complex in the details, but that's the general nature of getting the situation right, which is what I believe you were talking about. It is, and it's like I'm not talking about like the Blake Bortles of the world who your team achieves significant sure. things, but you can just tell like this guy stinks and yeah. they're overcoming him. I'm saying Baker has had enough stretches of really good play right. that it to me is like we don't have to make a gigantic decision on Baker after next year. I think there has to be He's he does not deserve Patrick Mahomes' money right now. As he could blow up next year, I'm I'm just talking right now. Like if I was sitting down with Baker and we had to make a contract happen right now, someone said I got this gun and if you two try to leave, I'm going to shoot you. And I said, <laughs> okay, I'll make a contract with you. You're getting middle of the like like above average quarterback money, which should be good. Like you're not obviously at the Mahomes level, the Aaron Rodgers level right now, but we think you can get there. So we're going to give you this amount of money, which is not as much as them, but it's not also going to kill our team. So I might be living in fantasy land. I I, I fully understand that. I just think the contracts are changing the way we should be looking at quarterback development, and that to me is kind of wrong because it's it we there's all this discussion, Steve, about how hard this position is and how so few guys can do it. Well, are we doing right by them? all the time. Like, I just don't think we're always doing right by them because there's so much like Jared Goff, for instance, I think that there have been some flashes from Jared Goff. Not enough. I don't think that's a secret, not enough, but it's like, he just gets hammered because of this contract. And and it's like, can't you find a contract for some of these guys that makes it so that they're just like, not like, not crazy money, but good enough. And then like, if someday they prove 
they're going to be good, like better than that. They keep taking those strides that we see. Some of these quarterbacks that have been so, you know, long tenured in the NFL. Can't you find a way to then the next contract? He gets the crazy money because he's proven it. I know, I, I know there's agents and there's a whole bunch of things that happen here, and I, I get it. Quarterbacks are fighting for every penny they can get. Every guy in the league should fight for every penny they should get. I'm not I'm not naive to that. I guess it's just to me, it feels like teams hop off the wagon on these quarterbacks so quickly because they're so worried about the money or they're so worried about how all of the, the decisions about a quarterback have to be made in this tight four to five year window. And I think it's really it's really hurting development of NFL quarterbacks. That's just me. I don't know if there was I don't know if the old ten year rookie quarterback, ten year contract rookie quarterbacks helped. I I'd have to go back and look at the data. I'm sure someone far smarter than me has done this. I I don't know. But it's just it's to me something that I, I thought a lot about today because it's like you look at the greats to do this thing and they have had rough starts. A lot of them have had rough starts and it's not always linear. Like Josh Allen is like Mr. Linear. It was pretty ugly, got pretty average, and then got pretty damn good. And it's like it's not always like that for people. And I think Baker has been at times nearly as good as Josh. And uh, if you look at the whole three-year picture, he's been more consistent than Josh. But, you know, Josh had one really great year that is in recent memory, so people obviously jump on that. So I, I don't know where I'm going with the conversation. I just think that we're not always doing right by quarterback development because we're compressing – a huge decision into a tight window and far too often worrying about the money that may or may not happen for a guy and thinking that the money has to be huge or nothing at all. Why can't it just kind of fit for everybody? You know what I'm saying? Well, two things. One, if uh, somebody put you in a room and said they would shoot you if you didn't come out with a contract, I question uh, your friend choices. That's first of all, you're, you're, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd, man. No it's doubt. like an, an ABC after school special. You need to, you know, maybe go hang out with the kids that smoke cigarettes. They seem a little more sane and calm, you know, probably <laughs> because they're smoking. Anyway, uh, but second, as far as the contract goes, yeah, and I think we're going to see, and this is going to sound weird, but I think the perfect example uh, would be uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's contract. Yeah, I do they, too. They, they gave him big money. At the time, it was considered ludicrous money, but... They got out after, what, two years, three years? They could get out of it with either nothing or basically nothing. I don't have it in front of me. And I think if you're looking at, at something like that, you have the front office in place in Cleveland to do that because that's one of their guardrails. You don't want to get committed uh, three years maximum, I think is what it says. I don't have it up right now. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think right now, and I, I'm with you, I think Baker's going to blow up this year, and I think it's going to be a different conversation by the time next year rolls around. But at this exact moment, I would say you need to get below Deshaun Watson money, but still not much below. And yeah. Deshaun's what, 40? I Something think like I think Desha if Deshaun's 40, Baker should get you know 35-ish, which is still just a crazy amount of money. But I think what they can do, both for the reasons you just enumerated and the cap situation, nobody wants to, everybody just wants to pretend COVID's over and it, you know, it's this thing in the past and everything. Not only is it going to continue to affect life for another uh, while here, but two, the NFL cap is going to be recovering from this for at least a couple of years. So we very well could see something, you know, um, you know, the initial numbers will be astronomical and ridiculous, but it will really only be a two-year commitment so that both sides can then renegotiate when the cap, as we all expect, explodes in 2023, 2024 and goes up again and he can get, you know, batshit crazy money, which if he continues developing and especially if they happen to win a championship by then, 
he will 100% deserve. So I think if you're if you're worried about are they going to be able to afford him and still you know uh, keep a team around him and all that, I I get where that comes from because we've seen a lot of teams really screw that up and Jared Goff's contract is only one of those that have done that. But I I think if you look at the body of work that this front office has put in just in the last 18 months, I don't see how you get there with this group. I I I I. I have more confidence in this group to put together a fair contract, a big contract, and keep as good a team as is humanly possible around him for as long as possible than just about any other front office in the league. I have ultimate confidence in Andrew Barry and his gang of nerds. So I'm not – am I curious about it? Yeah, I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. But am I, like, freaking out and worried about it? we got to win in the next two years because after that we're going to blow it up and everybody's going to be gone. They're going to have to cut miles and blah, blah, blah. No, I, I'm not worried about that at all. I think that's nutty town. I do too. I do too. And I know I know you're, you're, you're making rational points there. I, I completely agree. Uh, that it's not worth ever panicking about or even spending a ton of I mean we're spending time talking about the general <laughs> we're spending time talking about general quarterback development in my opinion but Baker's obviously tied to it but it's like I, I just think it's going to be super fascinating that that's what I'll say I'm not worried about yeah. it no one should be panicked about it but how they go about his contract yeah uh, is just going to be fascinating so I that yep. that is and I, I know there's going to be other deals Nick and and and, and Denzel and all that but the way the quarterback gets paid so much and how that can really hamper some things, it is it is going to be uh, it's just the, the intricate details of the contract will be so much fun to look at. Last thing before we go, uh, Odell Beckham rejoined the Instagram world. I think he hadn't posted since like early March or something like that and posts a video of everything that I had been fearing him not being able to do, which was cutting uh, fluidly. Now, again, Instagram videos, you got the music, you got the maybe the, the, the stuff is – uh, sped, speeded, sped, sped up, right? Maybe they put the, the track on 1.5 speed instead of normal speed. And it looks a little quicker. It looks a little harder. I don't know, but it looked good. All I can judge is what I see. And I thought, I thought I saw like, okay, that guy looks like 2016 Odell Beckham in terms of just making those hard pressing cuts, doing the things I, I'd seen the flatline speed. I saw Jeremy Fowler tweet out that, uh, people were talking about him looking like him old, his old self. I was like, okay, that seems way too early. It's still May. He needs three or four more months. Um, my expectations now kind of meet with your expectations, which where uh, we should expect him to, to at some point early in the season be back to his full self. And I, I if he's moving as he's moving in this video, I'm not saying he's – I'm not making crazy proclamations about him. I'm just saying I needed to see him cut fluidly on that knee, and it looks like he's doing just that, and it looks uh, really promising. And I think that's exciting, exciting, exciting for a guy they're going to count on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, we can't – all we can judge is what we see, and we haven't seen anything. But it jibes with everything we've heard the past few months from Lane and from everybody, you know, from Kevin's touched on it a couple times, and Andrew's said a few things here and there. They've dropped hints. He's ahead of schedule and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it jibes with all of that. And I think, assuming, of course, that he progresses and becomes, you know, even 90% of himself is still better than most of the league. But let's say he gets back to himself again. For me, the biggest thing has always been you could just, you could tell as early as December of last year, he was frustrated missing the playoff run. He was he's a competitive dude. There's a lot of things you could say about Odell. One thing you can't say is he is that he doesn't care about winning. I still believe that was his biggest problem in New York. 
uh, uh, aside from just New York media, they love to you know destroy anybody that gets in their way. But uh, I, I think he didn't see a coherent vision. He didn't think everybody was working as hard as he did. I really, really, really think that was a part of it. And I think watching the way this team came together, held each other accountable, held themselves accountable, pushed themselves to their limits, and then pushed themselves further the next day and reaped the rewards of all that work, I think it drove him absolutely bonkers to not be part of that. I really, really do. And I've never been in a room with the young man, so I can't say this for sure. This is just me reading it from a thousand miles away. But I think the motivation... I'm not missing this shit again because this team is going to challenge for a Lombardi trophy. I think that is something he has had in his head every single day. And a pissed off Odell is a dangerous Odell. I think he's going to come in and he sees that he's not going to be they're not going to force him targets anymore. They're not, I'm, I'm sure in some manner of form it has been laid out for him. Look, you're a big part of the offense, but you're not the offense. Okay, you have to fit in with everybody. And I think he's going to buy in just like everybody else. And if he does and he comes back healthy, the way this, the offense is structured, and you know this better than I did, it's it's unlikely he's going to go for, you know, 1900 yards and, and 18. He's not going to he's not going to dominate the stat sheet like that, but he is going to help others raise their stat sheet. He will dominate the stat sheet in other ways. Um, I, I am. So excited. And I have been extremely excited. Uh, as you know, for months, I've been way, way ahead of you. And you've been trying to calm me down. But I, <laughs> I just I'm so excited to see a pissed off Odell Beckham with everything else that we talked about. All the cohesion of offense. The situation is, is better now. The, everything. All the oars are going in the right direction. And if you can add an oar as big and strong and talented as Odell's to the rest of the oars that are already rowing the boat in the right direction, I think this boat could could crash through whatever barriers put up uh, uh, are put up in front of them. I really think, and it won't be at his current number, but I think everybody's saying, "Oh, you better enjoy Odell because he's gone after next year because of the contract." If he comes out in his Odell and he likes it here, I, I think they find a way um, with with a you know a new contract, a different contract, a different number. They're gonna they'll fix it. It won't be the same. He won't get record-breaking money because they won't have it to give to him. But I really don't know that he's gone like everybody says. He might be, but I don't think it's a done deal like everybody says, especially if they're winning. I think he's going to want to be part of it for a long time. Strong PJ Fleck vibes with the uh, with the with the row the boat references. Mm. I dig that. I definitely <laughs> dig that. Our Midwest listeners, well, big. I just listeners. finished watching Vikings on history, nice. so nice. you know, okay. you know, yeah, it yeah. makes sense where your where your where your mind is going. <laughs> I smelled what you were stepping in. So I'm with you. No one's ever questioned Odell's work ethic. I don't. I don't think even in his toughest toughest times, he's ever been a guy to ever appear not ready to play a football season. And uh, it was encouraging, uh, like you said, when when he originally went out and. Uh, we were both talking. I know that you visited this pod, and we were talking about just hopefully he could get healthy and and for himself, right? Like to mm-hmm. get his mind right and stay healthy mentally, because he just felt like he'd been through so much trying to get right and get back to the level of player that we knew he was, and and the frustrations of time in Cleveland so far. And he seems in a good mental space, which is super cool, right? Like especially for anybody right. who cares about mental health, he seems happy, and that's great. And I think you're all of the things, all of the anecdotes you had there were were spot on about uh his his fitting in not fitting out and and what he saw and witnessed and what he should want 
uh, what he should want to be a part of, all that stuff, man. So I was just like trying to keep expectations low for the young man because sure. I, I don't I don't want him to, to to a lot of people to thrust like, hey, he's back, he should go for thirteen, fourteen hundred yards. Maybe he does. It's been done in this offensive structure before. Wide receivers right. can do it. If he's right, he has a chance to. And especially if just things work out. A couple big plays happen a game where it wasn't hitting before, but it is now because you have a completely different quarterback with confidence back there than he had before. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it could all happen. I'm just super encouraged by this guy. It looks like he's cutting, not just like generically cutting on a post route, but doing the violent cuts we know Odell does, where he's almost like, if you want to see how good he is at cutting, look where his butt is when he cuts. Kind of a weird thing to say. He looks like he's sitting mm-hmm. in a chair. It's so unique how that guy's able to drop his his center of gravity down to cut that is it is it's just a thing of beauty. Like one of the more aesthetically pleasing athletes you'll ever see. And he's unique like that. And God, I hope in a full stadium of Cleveland Browns fans, they get to experience the full Odell experience. That's what I when you have yep. you know, when I have like you know, Cleveland Browns dreams like that would be the thing, man. And uh, that'd be cool. So I was encouraged, pretty pumped, a little goose bumpy on, on watching that video. And I hope it all comes together. This is fun, Steve. We want to go 20 minutes. It's 35 minutes. We have a brand and we're sticking strong to our brand, which is we both don't shut up. So, you know, uh, as usual, my friend, thank you. Anytime, my brother, anytime. It's going to be an exciting offseason, going to be an even more exciting season. I know. Can't wait, brother. Can't wait. So we are out today. We are going to come back. We're going to have some fun things for OBR insiders uh, who subscribe with us. You're going to get the opportunity to ask us questions, to which Stephen and I post on YouTube answering those questions for subs only. Anybody can view them, but if you want your questions specifically answered, asking it through Ask the Insider section at the OBR if you come in there, join us, subscribe with us. Again, $1 for your first month. I think you should take the yearly subscription because it's a great value. Uh, but if you do join us for any period of time and you want to ask us a specific question, we will answer those in video form coming for you this week. We're pretty pumped about this. Going to post it to YouTube. Just short little conversations, as him and I like to say. We'll try to keep it two minutes, which means it will equal out to be about six minutes per episode because, again, seventeen. we, we have a brand and we will stick with it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're pretty excited about it. So make sure you are, A, subscribed to the YouTube channel so you're notified every time we post a video. We will be posting one every single day of the week. And then make sure you like, uh, well, you can't like a podcast, but you can uh, you can download it, subscribe to it, and give us a review, which is always greatly, greatly appreciated. We might hit a record number of downloads for this month. We'll see how Monday goes. If you guys all download this thing on Monday, we'll see. I'll be pretty pumped. And I cannot thank you enough for listening to this podcast and supporting the OBR. Huge thanks to you to Steve again. I might have just said thanks to you, but that's okay. We'll stick with it. Huge thanks to you to Steve taking time out of his Sunday night to join me. Uh, Hopefully, again, you guys have a great Memorial Day today, or if you're listening to this Tuesday, you had a great Memorial Day on Monday. Whatever the case may be, say thank you to a veteran and say thank you to anybody who has given and sacrificed their time for us in this country. All right, that's a wrap. Until we chat next time, guys, thanks for listening, and go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.